This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We'll keep an eye on all of that for you today. Usually we start out with kind of the sports story of the day, but I wanted to start out with something that is is a sobering reminder to everybody who loves um, local sports coverage, local news coverage, that our world is changing. And I'm sure you've heard by now that the advocate is buying a NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And that was everywhere today. Um, it was it, it was shocking for a lot of us. But the Times-Picayune has been an institution here in this city for, for longer than, than really anybody can remember. And from a sports perspective, which is where I'll keep this, there are a lot of talented, really talented men and women who cover the teams that we love every day. Guys like uh, Jeff Duncan, Josh Katzenstein, and Andrew Lopez, and so many others there. And when I heard, first heard the news, it's immediately what I thought about was what's what's their future here in the city of New Orleans? And you've been following Jeff's work for, for decades now here in the city. Josh, for the last handful of years. And Andrew, the same. And just my personal perspective on this, and full disclosure, we haven't had a partnership with uh, NOLA.com over the last uh, year and a half, so we haven't uh, really been able to talk to those people on the air here, but that hasn't diminished my admiration for their work at all. Worked in quite a few cities, and the coverage that we get from from those guys and others uh, is top notch. And it's it was it was shocking. I, look, it was shocking to me. You can imagine how shocking it was uh, to everybody who was immediately affected by this. And you just got to step back and kind of think how this impacts the way that you'll consume your sports. Now. Without getting into the the fine details of this, there are reports that the advocate is going to try to keep on as many people as as possible. I certainly hope that happens because those guys deserve it. But it's it's a day that I guess maybe marks the future, and I don't know if it's it's a brighter future in our sports coverage here. We have a great partnership with the advocate. We have here. Uh, for years, and we love that partnership. This isn't a commentary on on necessarily the advocates' coverage versus NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune's coverage over the last couple of years. But this this is a day where, where things change for us. It really does. So I just I wanted to start my program tonight just thinking about those guys and gals and and the families that will be affected by this. And we see this all the time going on across the country, you know, with the, the consolidation of our media and the shift towards the digital medium and print media either has to evolve or it goes away. I think just yesterday we saw the St. Louis Dispatch. They 
got rid of their copy uh, writer's desk, which is kind of incredible when you consider copywriters, uh, copy editors rather, are kind of the, the foundation and backbone of, of any print journalism. So if you're somebody who not just likes to listen to our show, we're certainly glad you listen to our show and all of our shows here at WWO, but if you, you're somebody who likes to read about your favorite teams or local politics or local news, those are the people that we need. Those are the people that we need. And as somebody who first picked up a paper, gosh, I must have been four or five years old. I remember my dad had the paper sitting around. He'd kind of drink his morning coffee, and he was a um, – Played music for a living, but also did a little carpentry, so uh, he owned his own uh, cabinet shop business, so he'd go off to work pretty early, even before I got up to bed, uh, out of bed, I should say, so sometimes when i get up and get ready for school, I'd go, and the, the first thing that I was doing, and I guess it's kind of where my love for, for this medium and the sports journalism industry kind of started, I'd pick it up, and I'd, I'd kind of toss aside all the, you know, the news sections and the entertainment sections, and I'd go right to the sports section, and I'd read... Now, guys like John Blanchett, back where I'm from, kind of a legendary local sports writer up there. And, and I don't think I'd be here. I don't think I'd be here where I am if it wasn't for the incredible print journalists that kind of shaped my worldview um, from a sports perspective. I just don't hope we don't lose that. I know we've got to change. I know we've got to evolve. I know it's the reality of our world. But just think about everybody, not just the guys that I mentioned, the Jeff Duncans or the Josh Kassenstein's or the Andrew Lopez's. Just think about everybody over there, and a lot of them will stay. A lot of them will stay on either here in Lafayette or in Baton Rouge, hopefully. But, um, yeah, it impacted me. I mean, you could probably tell in my voice. It just really did. It really impacted me. I'm still somebody who every single day, one of the first things that I do, I either go get a physical paper or I go online paywall or otherwise and read and inform myself not just about sports but about local news and the advocate and, and george has said that they're doing this so that it strengthens our, our news and sports coverage here and look i hope it does i hope it does got a couple of comments on this we'll go to mike and desterhand mike welcome to wwl hey, hey is it seth hey mike hey man um thank you for taking my call I just want to, I just want to make a comment about uh, the advocate buying out sure. the Tyson Gillen, and, and and I don't have an issue with it, and uh, as far as a conglomeracy or whatever, but I just I'm 51 years old. I grew up reading print media. I have adapted to uh, looking at news on the internet and mm -hmm. on my phone. You say but you I have, think, you have, or you haven't, I, Mike. I, I, pardon me. Did you say you have or you haven't? No, I have. I have okay. adapted to it uh -huh. only because only because the Times Picayune has limited their, their distribution to two two or three days, and and I, I don't have an advocate where I live. But what, what concerns me is that we're going to get a bias from one one single print media source, and I, I'm indifferent. I, I don't I don't slant either way, left or right, but I want to hear an equal. An equal representation of what's going on politically, sure. and that's, that's what concerns me. Sure, Mike, and I don't want to get on the political discussion on this program, um, but I will say even from you know, a sports perspective, I think everybody would tell you this. Everybody who's 
on my side in either sports journalism or just journalism in general would tell you that it strengthens us competition. That said, I come from a one-paper city. Quite this size, Spokane was where I was till I was 25 years old. We were a one-paper town, and we had pretty really good um, journalists there. And just because it's a one-paper town, you know, we're only going to be having one sports section now to read at if we keep it in sports. I mean, our, our doesn't mean we're not going to still get great coverage. And that was the promise today that we will not only get great coverage, but even better, better coverage from the advocate. Thanks for the call, Mike. Let's go to Marty. Marty, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. Good evening. Thank you. Take him a call. Thanks, Marty. Uh, I agree. I agree with most of what uh, everything that you said. The gentleman that just called. Um, let me tell you, I, it was a big transition for me to even up to this point. Uh, for the last several years, going listening to the advocate, but I have it on my phone now, and I have it on my iPad. I tell you what, it it, it is a pretty interesting. I'm going to talk just about sports. I'm not getting any sure. other stuff said. But um, I'm really going to miss the pick of you. New Orleans. There was a time when I was a kid. I mean, New Orleans was a two paper city. We had a state item in the evening. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, but I'm sure you might be. But yeah. it, it was never a big paper, but it was. Just something everybody looked forward to. When that went, it wasn't a loss like the Picayune is, uh, like the Picayune would be. My, I have a cousin. His name was Nate Cohen, and he used to do the River Parish uh, uh, ball games. And he would do stuff like even fraternity football. It was unbelievable. That's how deep that paper got into the New Orleans society. It was, uh, it was incredible. And uh, I just want to mention, I don't know if you're ever going to have a show where you, we could talk nostalgia or something like that. Yeah, no, there is, there is, Marty. I got a guest, so we got to get to him. But I, you know, I, I probably will have that show. In fact, I'm hosting the Sunday show this week, at ten to noon, and probably the main topic is going to be um, kind of that. And for anybody who's just joining us, want to know what we're talking about? Of course, earlier today it was announced that the Advocate is going to buy Anola.com and the Times Picayune, and, and certainly shocked all of us. I was talking to to many people who, who work for uh, the Times Picayune, and and they were pretty shocked by this too. So just you know, think about them today. Think about them. It's something that happens way too much here uh, recently. Let's bring on in uh, Vinny Iyer, talk a little uh, NFL draft. He's a fantasy football writer for the Sporting News, host of the Locked On Network Fantasy Football Podcast, and uh, of course, uh, Sports Nation. Uh, Vinny, uh, what's going on, man? Um, look, I know you. you been a writer for a while and you see these you know kind of consolidations and and closures of of local papers and that's what we were just talking about i saw you on hold there so you're probably a little confused about what we're talking about but the big paper here uh is going to be no more so it kind of kind of shocked everybody here in the city today yeah i I can definitely see that as someone who's visited there and knows the the papers and how they work Uh, it's happening everywhere you just see it all the time and uh it's tough you always feel for the people most affected by it and uh Definitely, uh, we've seen it uh, too many times over in our industry and uh, probably not seen the last of it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's just, uh, you know, the new world that we live in. Um, All right, let's talk about the draft. We're a week past the first round anyways, Vinny. I am curious, now that you've had a chance to reflect and maybe revise, you know, any opinions you initially had right after the draft, whose draft did you like and and whose didn't you? Well, I think, for me, I look at the draft differently than others, I believe so, at least. I look at 
knowing what kind of team you are, knowing exactly what you need, and how did you methodically go about getting those players for what you needed? So when you look at the Patriots, they needed some guy to replace the uh, production of Rob Gronkowski. Everyone thought they might go after a tight end. Instead, they go after a big wide receiver or early there, Nikhil Harry, and what he can do. So I, I just know teams where they're at in terms of are they going to contend? Are they looking to rebuild? Do you look at a team like Oakland? They just pile it on. They had to get guys at all kinds of positions to do what John Gruden wanted to do. And I like what they did. I think the Redskins finally had to turn the page at quarterback and uh, the Cardinals as well. So pushing forward with that plan, I think a lot of teams that you see do consistently well, the Ravens, the Eagles and Steelers. So it's a lot of the usual suspects because they have general managers that know exactly what their team needs, not just for now, but for later and can kind of blend those two together where, They're not reaching necessarily, but still getting the talent that they need at specific spots to help their roster push along. And now what I think you're seeing is more teams are not stashing. Even the Steelers, a team that used to stash, they realize we need an inside linebacker. We need a wide receiver. We need guys to replace guys we've lost to compete and contend now. And I think you see that across the league now that you just can't play for three years down the line anymore. Oh, you can't. Uh, Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News joining us. and uh, Something we always talk about at draft time and post-draft time is the Saints' aggressiveness. They're known as you know the most aggressive team when it comes to trading up in the draft. 17 times they've traded up in the draft now since 2007. Do you have any philosophy on that? I know like I've talked about it a lot here. My own personal philosophy is I don't necessarily like that, but I, do, I guess I do like that the Saints stay true to uh, their own um, – you know, character and personality that they are aggressive at draft time. Um, what do you think of that? Are you a guy who prefers to see him draft down or do you, uh, excuse me, trade down or do you even care? Well, I think it's just the sense of knowing where the values are to position. You look at Eric McCoy, who they drafted. You look at Garrett Bradbury. Once he went off the board, there's not that many centers I feel good plugging in to my team and starting right away. And it was, that was an obvious void there for the Saints on an offensive line that they like to keep the blocking continuity and success going well there. So you saw a chance to get McCoy. They had to jump in and take it. I think if Bradbury had slipped a little bit, maybe they would have jumped in there to get him a little earlier. But McCoy, I didn't think there was too much to separate him and Bradbury. So getting him there, I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I'm surprised that he was – available there for their taking. I thought a lot of teams would jump on him earlier safety. I think I had him as a, the third or fourth best safety, depending on free or strong, who you're looking for. So uh, uh, you're just knowing the board, knowing where the values are and saying, okay, this is the time we better get in. This is a player we really like, and he's being really undervalued. Where making that trade up, it's, you don't feel as bad because uh, you're getting a player that you feel – should have gone a little earlier anyway. Yeah, and, and look, I've, I've talked about it, that I actually liked the the move up to grab Eric McCoy uh, because there was such a huge need in my mind for the Saints. So I'm going against my own personal bias there, Vinny, but uh, we kind of talked about it. Let's get to the Saints draft. What would you make of this? Yeah, I mean, limited things they had to work with. So when you get a starter that you feel pretty good about, and Eric McCoy with your first pick, when you pick so late, I think you have to be happy with that. There was really not much to do with this team. I mean, they're aggressive a little bit in free agency, made sure they got Latavius Murray to replace Mark Ingram, got Jared Cook, the tight end threat they've needed for a while there. So they're aggressive there. There just wasn't too many holes, and it's a good position to start from. Uh, 
Same similar thing with the Browns. I know they haven't had the same success yet, but it was nice for the Browns where they're not forcing things and just getting player value there in Greedy Williams. So when you have few holes, it's fun to draft that way because uh, you know exactly what you want. You can take some chances. You don't need to necessarily grab everyone for now. I mentioned teams drafting for today. Well, sometimes you're set for today and you have that luxury and then you're getting ahead of everyone else at the same time. Vinny, do you have a hierarchy now in the NFC South post-draft? Well, I still think it's the Saints division here. I, I feel good about them being the favorites. The Falcons, I don't know if they've improved enough defensively. The Panthers are going through a bit of a transition as well as uh, Ron Rivera is going to be calling the plays defensively there. So they got to figure things out. I think Tampa, there's some things I really like about Tampa that they could turn around it themselves with Bruce Arians and the mentality there. We know what quick effect he had in Arizona on that team, but I still think there's a lot of question marks where I'm looking for the favors at this time of year. I want the team that I know every single position. I feel exactly what their scheme is and what they're going to do. And I think all these other teams have gone through changes, the Falcons with their offense, Panthers with their defense and the Bucks with their entire team. Well, none of those questions really plague the saints here uh nfl wise are you ready already to, to kind of give power rankings Vinny, and where the saints might fit into that or is that way too early for you well with the saints it's easy because i'm gonna put them right near the top <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah it's not hard with uh, them i mean they're going to be in the conversation there with the patriots and rams and all the teams that were there at the end right there on the uh, cusp of getting the super bowl or got to the Super Bowl. So you have to start there at the top with, with those type of teams. I think you may lump in the Colts and Chiefs with those three teams right now, uh, how you feel about it. So I, I think right now, I think the Saints are a strong team. They're out of the NFC. I liked them to get the Super Bowl last year. We know it didn't quite work out for one particular reason, them <laughs> not going to be the Super Bowl. But God, uh, you had to I mention still, it again, Vinny. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not like you've heard it enough times. But uh, I guess uh, maybe Tommy Lee Lewis is not on the team anymore, so maybe you can forget about that and move on. And, uh, and this, this team, I still think, is built to uh, get back there with uh, – their complete nature, and I think getting the moves for uh, Latavius Murray, where you keep that running game intact and that power back, very similar to Mark Ingram. And then Jared Cook, I think he's going to add another element to this offense that they're really going to appreciate here because Jared Cook, I mean, he is not only that special receiver that can stretch the field, but he's also coming off his best season late in his career. So you're getting him at his peak right now, and uh, I expect uh, him and Drew Brees to do a lot of work here to get the chemistry down pat. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Vinny, uh, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. Right, Vinny Iyer, you can find him on Twitter, at Vinny Iyer. And, of course, you can find his work at the Sporting News. It's fantastic. Talk to him uh, throughout the football seasons. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, what player has to make the biggest jump in your mind for the Saints this season? Is it Marcus Williams, Marcus Davenport, Traquan Smith, Eli Apple, P.J. Williams, or somebody else? You can cash your vote at www.com and the radio.com app. Here are a couple of texts coming in on the uh, the advocate buying the Times-Picayune. Text from the 504. I'm concerned of the newspaper monopoly being created. Text from the 985. Why do you think this buyout is not good? Still a local guy buying the Times-Picayune, which is now owned out of town. So why is that so bad, that person asks. We'll take a break for news. We're coming back with an NBA playoff and an NHL playoff update. 
I'm Seth Dunlap, Logan, Falgu behind the glass. It's the last lap on WWL. Sixers and Raptors have gone to halftime. Sixers have pulled out a little bit. It's 11 point lead for Philly, 64 to 53. The Sixers, they're led by Joel Embiid. It seems to be uh, certainly back to full strength. 18 points on four of eight shooting. He's eight of eight from the free throw line. Ben Simmons, just eight points. A little struggle for him. Four of 10 from the floor. Does have five rebounds and three assists for the Raptors. Kawhi Leonard leads them with 17 points, three rebounds. A couple of assists over in the NHL playoff. End of the second period. Bruins lead the Blue Jackets two games to one. And remember, Columbus leads that series two games to one. So the Bruins looking to even it up there later tonight in the NHL. It's the Sharks and the Avalanche game four of that series where the Sharks lead two games to one. That's It's huge for Colorado. If they lose that one, that series goes back to San Jose. It's probably over. Um, look, tomorrow on Sports Talk with Bobby and Christian, you get excited over the Kentucky Derby. Well, that's because the Kentucky Derby is just going to be a day away. And then, of course, LSU battles Ole Miss pregame coverage 630, leading up to first pitch at 7 o'clock, and that means we'll be off the air tomorrow. And Tiger baseball all weekend long. Game two Saturday, 630, the pregame. Excuse me, 630 first pitch, pregame 6 o'clock. Sunday, pregame at 2, first pitch 230. So three days of LSU against Ole Miss right here. That's WWL. I'm going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show and friend of the program, will join us. And we're going to talk Saints draft, NBA playoffs, LSU football recruiting, and much more here on the last lap. Halftime, Sixers and Raptors. Sixers 64, Raptors 55. Actually, they've just started the third quarter now. So that 11-point lead trimmed down to that nine-point advantage that we just gave you there. We'll keep you updated. Series tied one game apiece. As promised, on into the program comes Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show in South Arkansas on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM. And, of course, a stand-up comedian and friend of the program. He's on just about every week. And uh, Carter, look, uh, good to talk to you again today. Who's doing your show this afternoon? You're doing mine. Who's double-dipping today, bro? Yeah, heck yeah, man. I, I'm loving life, enjoying watching some NBA playoff basketball. And, you know, one of my favorite things in the world is doing laundry, man. And I'm dude, I'm so bad. At <laughs> that can't doing be true. I can't be true. It, it? I, I do. I'm so I'm so bad. Like I, I I just can't do it. And it sucks because you know I, I'm on the road. I'm going to Fayetteville, Arkansas to do some shows this weekend. But uh, man, dude, I I just can't I can't do it. Uh, it. There's something about the detergent and whatnot. But okay, wait, wait, Dad, we got we got we got to stop right there. When you say you can't do laundry, you got to explain exactly what the hangup is here because I'm very, I'm very confused. I'm very confused. Okay, so I, I'm so used to having just women in my life, whether it's my mom, my auntie, a dorm mate, roommate, or whatnot, help me with the laundry. I can't figure it out. Like I am the least practical person. <laughs> like I, I've, I, I can't turn on a lawnmower. I can't I do. I can't do anything. I don't know how to change a tire. And my biggest fear is that like, I have to end my radio show and drive five hours. And right when I get to the venue tomorrow night, um, I got to go straight on stage. Like I'll probably have like 10 or 15 minutes and uh, got to go walk right in and just, just do it. And that's one of my biggest fears. It's like, if I blow a tire, I I'm screwed. I got to say, triple A, come on, come at me. So I think I, I, 
I struggle with all the small practicalities of life. So I really do. All, all that, I can do is talk into microphones. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, you do do that in multiple ways. So, like, the worst case scenario for you would be in dirty clothes in your car on your way to, I don't know, help your girlfriend mow her lawn or something, and then you get a flat tire. Yeah. Like, the, the world's ending at that point? That, that That's it. That's it. I, I am I am not at all practical whatsoever. Hey, can, can I say one thing, though, Seth, before we get, before yeah. we get going? Um I am a big supporter of journalism, and I've subscribed to all these different papers. Uh, my dad is the same way, and I, and I'm, I don't know if you addressed it yet or not on your show, but what happened today with obviously the Times Picune and whatnot and NOAA.com, a lot of good people lost their jobs today, and some of those people are my friends. A lot of those people, Seth, were people that I shared uh, the the Manship School of Mass Communication. I watch these really talented people work their way up and get jobs in their home city of New Orleans. That, and whether it was uh, Chelsea Braston or Luke Johnson or Amy Just, I mean, those are just three of the the many talented reporters. And I, I don't know Amy personally, but uh, the other two are friends of mine. It, it just sucks. And what we do, it, it's scarce. It's tough. Uh, any kind of sports media. Just always know that if you're a fan of Seth or if you're a fan of anything else, this is a very fickle, tough industry and a lot of really good, talented people that work their tails off lost their jobs today. I know they're all going to land on their feet, but we're just seeing this everywhere, Seth, and, and, and it's really sad. And I was really devastated because you know, I grew up the Times for Kino was such a big paper for me. And Carter actually opened the show with that. I did about a, you yeah, know, ten, yeah, a ten, yeah. I did I actually did ten minutes on that, and it it hit me hard as well. I, I didn't go to LSU like you, uh, so I don't have the long time connections with these guys. If I do, and gals, if I do, they're they're more recent. But it's it's just a sobering reminder of how kind of the consolidation of of the industry that that we're in. And I know you know nobody's gonna cry us a river here. Um, everybody who's listening, everybody who has, you know, yeah. real and more important jobs than talking sports or whatever uh, on the radio. But there's a lot of people affected by this. And, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Andrew Lopez or, or Katzenstein or Duncan or Amy Just or Luke Johnson or whoever it is, and, and not just the sports side, but, you know, the journalistic side yeah. of this, you know. Um, I was telling a story that outside of maybe listening to scratchy Seattle Mariners radio broadcast when I was super young and kind of sneaking in my room and turn on the radio as wasn't supposed to be up. The reason that I am where I am was kind of grabbing the the paper from my dad and you know grabbing the sports section because he wasn't really a sports guy, so he didn't really care. And then going into my room and you know and reading that and knowing that that's kind of going away. Yeah, it's sad. Man. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it's it, it, it's sad. Yeah, and on top of that, we see the news this week. ESPN, the magazine, is going to quit their 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 printing model. So, man, dude, it, it's 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 scary. Like we don't know, um, and and it's different for us because our industry, lucky enough, is still thriving. Yeah. But um, I mean, sports radio around the country is actually doing pretty well. But it's, I mean, you just never really know. Like all those people that I just mentioned, all those people you just mentioned, very successful, award-winning writers that work their tails off and then it does become a numbers game because you know we retweeted a thousand times and oh you'll land on your feet i know i just said that a minute ago there's only so many of these we can actually handle so it's 
it's going to be interesting to see how the model shifts. I know a lot of people just want to hear us talk about sports, so we'll get the LSU stuff. But my, my final thoughts on this is for people out there, support journalism that really moves you. And a lot of the work that the Jeff Duncans and, uh, and Luke Johnson's a, a good friend of mine, a former Marine, a really good writer, um, a, a lot of the work that they did, I mean, they, they worked so hard to do. Just any writer that you support, follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram, tweet out their articles, uh, click on their articles and, and show support for those people because it is such a tough industry and we don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talking to Carter Bryant at Carter the Power on Twitter. Let's sit on this NBA game that uh, you told Logan you were, you were watching. And, and I got to be honest, yeah. I'm stunned here that the Sixers the last couple of games have handled the Raptors like this. I watched game one, and I thought this series would always go six or seven games. But the way the Sixers now are handling the Raptors, I got to wonder if the Sixers aren't just going to win this uh, in five or six. So here's something that you always can figure out in the NBA. And, and this is a big problem the NBA has. It's that the regular season in the National Basketball Association is so drastically different than the postseason. There is no sport that we have that I can even think of, Seth, that really changes as much as the NBA. Now, people can say hockey, but really the NBA changes because the refereeing is just so different. Everybody's playing hard the whole time. The referees can see it, and that's part of the reason why they don't call as many fouls. Well, look at the teams and look at the players in this round, said that really rely on the whistle. James Harden's one of those guys. Chris Paul, both players rely heavily on manipulating referees. Well, you see, they're struggling against these teams that are better than them and more athletic than them, and they're not getting those whistles. That's why you see them complaining so much about it. And another guy in this series in particular is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry has not had a good series, and that's because he's a flopper. He manipulates a whistle. He's drawn more offensive fouls than any other player in the NBA this year, and that's because he flops a lot, and that's because he draws contact. You don't get these whistles in these uh, back-and-forth, punch-each-other-out kind of playoff games. So those things really hurt players like him, that's why uh, people like Kawhi Leonard's having to carry so much of the load. Yeah, it's a little James Harden light, what's going on there with Lowry in Toronto. You know, we talked to LSU on your program today a lot, and then uh, you were the first person, and you and I were the first like conversation I had about this today. And then it got me to thinking not about Will Wade necessarily, at least directly, but about as Scott Woodward and his now responsibility to manage this situation. And Scott Woodward has all the political capital and cachet in the world. We're going to get into this more next hour. But after I talked to you about this, I had lunch with some people, uh, both LSU fans or LSU grads. And then I was on television tonight having a big conversation about this with uh, Eric Asher and Andrew Doak. That do you believe or do you think that LSU fans, let's say Scott Woodward decides he has to fire Will Wade, even, and I know you and I have been on opposite sides of this, but even the most ardent Will Wade supporters, the free Will Wade crowd, do you believe that they trust Scott Woodward enough that if he decides he has to make that move, that they would support him in that? Yes, they will. Woodward has so much support with LSU brass, and he's new Obviously, he's very popular, and the number one thing Scott Woodward has going in his favor is that he is not Joe Oliva, and that's obviously LSU's number one punching bag over the years. So, yeah, let's say it does get to that situation where 
Scott Woodward does fire Will Wade. Let's just say that does happen. Here's something else that we tend to forget. Now, this Will Wade story is very fresh. It's new. It's right here. But the heat of LSU baseball season is coming around the corner, and LSU football is about to take all of this over. Remember, LSU basketball is third on the totem pole. And losing a coach or making a decision to, to fire Will Wade yeah, it's going to jar a lot of LSU fans. Yeah, it's going to make them angry because LSU basketball finally got good again. But this is not a basketball school. So if Todd Woodward decides to fire uh, a coach like Will Wade, I don't think the repercussions of that is going to be as bad as people think. Just because the story's been so juicy doesn't mean that as many LSU fans as we probably think actually care about LSU basketball. So I think if it does come down to it, I do think he could make that decision and be just fine. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the better LSU news is the recruiting going on right now with Coach O and, and this football program, number one recruiting class in 2020, and it just continues to get better. It seemed like every single day, Carter. You've got to be impressed with this, right? Yes. So here's one thing LSU fans should take away. It's not that I'm saying that they will win a national championship, but they can. They're in the vicinity. And last year's roster was not – there this year's roster upcoming and if you keep the number one recruiting class and you keep an aggregate recruiting ranking around the top five range which if LSU has the number one class are definitely going to be in a top five aggregate recruiting ranking over the last four years then they are right in the mix to win a playoff it doesn't matter if you actually believe in Ed Orgeron taking you to that next level and taking you to a college football playoff there's so many variables that that has to go your way whenever you're actually coaching games. That's a different story for a different day. But when it comes down to raw talent, LSU, if this 2020 recruiting class comes through, they're going to have enough raw talent to actually go to college football playoffs and to actually win national championships. And I'm not saying they're going to win it next year. I'm not going to say they're going to win it the year after that. But if you recruit this well, it doesn't matter how how much – you may not believe in Ed Orgeron as a big-time coach. He is recruiting at a good enough level, not only in Louisiana, but obviously we've seen uh, uh, the, the, the Ricks kid, uh, the number one corner of the country out of California, uh, the linebacker out of Virginia. He's recruiting around the country at this level. That's good enough to eventually win a college football playoff. It's, it's impressive. Coach O's impressive, man, right now. He's got it rolling. Um I understand that you've got a couple of uh, comedy shows you're doing, including one in New York, Carter. I mean, that's big time. Oh, man, it's not as big as it sounds, man. There's a gazillion comedians in New York City, and there's a gazillion working around the world that are way better than this than than I will ever be. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm getting to go to New York in the end of June, and that's fantastic. Anytime you get asked to go up there, it's an opportunity you have to take. And I'm really looking forward to it, man, and – seeing hopefully some of my comedy friends along the way that I've made in New York City. And it, it's strange, though. Like, when you go up to New York and you're on lineups with really good comics, I remember I was at Broadway Comedy Club, Seth, and this pro, I don't even remember his name, been doing it 20 years, just killed. I go up there and just bomb. I mean, <laughs> just just eat it. I did the same five-minute sets two, two, two hours before, right down the road at a different comedy club. It killed went right down the road, and it, I mean, I mean, it was that level of a bomb 
and and I I just ate it. You just gotta gotta keep moving on, man. It's it's one of those things. You gotta have a short memory. You gotta have a NFL cornerback memory, and 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 uh, that that makes this industry so much fun. Yeah, you know, I, I am curious about the industry. Is is New York the place that you know if you're an aspiring you know full time stand up comic that you go? And I I don't know an analogy that I have in my life other than you know when I when I wanted to really give poker that full time shot, um, you know, I had to had to move to Vegas. Went really well right. for me. I just wanted to get back into this industry, so I did. But I knew, you know, if I really wanted to give it that that actual shot, I had to go there. Is that kind of the same with with comedy up in New York? Yeah. And so uh, I actually had this advice given to me recently by my personally my my favorite comedian, and everyone should stop what they're doing and I can go check him out. Roy Wood Jr. Oh, yeah. I, I love oh, him. Yeah. And I uh, recently had him on one of my shows, and he said, "You got to move to one of the coasts. You got to go to New York or L.A." And I do agree with him to an, to an extent. The comedy scenes, including in New Orleans, uh, in, including in Nashville, San Diego, Chicago's always been a big comedy city. Atlanta, you know, you can because the industry is is flattening itself out, and movie scenes and whatnot are getting shot all over. You can go to one of these different scenes, Dallas, Austin, and whatnot, get really good and, and take yourself to the next level. But I do agree you eventually do have to go to showcases in New York or L.A. The problem is when do you make that move? When do you know if you're good enough to, to last with these comics? And I can tell you this, set in front of you hundreds of thousands of listeners that may be listening, <laughs> I am not at that level just yet. I'll give you a good 25, 30, but no, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to kill from, from front to back like – Stephen Wright or, or Red Fox just yet, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Oh, bro, uh, I certainly hope you kill it, and I know we'll be talking about it uh, very soon. Carter, always appreciate the chats, man. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, we'll talk next week, man. All right, Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show on 1071 FM and 1400 AM in South Arkansas, and you got to follow him on Twitter, at Carter the Power. We'll take a break. We'll update our opinion poll, update the NBA and NHL playoffs. Next hour, we've got Pelicans and LSU to talk about. It's the last lap on WWL. Remember, you can win money in our WWL Intercom 12K a day giveaway. Pardon me. Every hour tomorrow between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m., you can win up to a grand in our Intercom National Cash Contest. You can listen to the code word right before the top of the hour news each hour and then text it to 72881. Don't miss your chance tomorrow to win $12,000 or part of it in the 12K a day giveaway Friday on WWL. That Raptors 76ers game's still hovering around that 10-point lead. Right now it's 11. It's been going from 11 to 8 to 9, back to 11, and that's where it's at right now. 83-72, Sixers with the ball, 250 to play in the third quarter. In the NHL playoffs, Bruins have opened it up by another goal. Ten minutes to play, Bruins 3, and Columbus 1. Bruins would even up that series if that score holds. First puck dropping in just a couple of minutes between uh, the Sharks and the Avalanche. First puck. Uh, the puck drops between the Sharks and the Avalanche here in just a couple of minutes. Sharks a 2-1 series lead there. We're going live on Facebook. The question that I'm posing, and we'll talk about this next hour on the show, if LSU Athletic Director Scott Woodward decides he has to fire Will Wade, even if you're pro Will Wade and you have an opposite stance of me, which most of you have throughout this process, would you support Scott Woodward in that? We're going live on the WWL Radio Facebook page talking about that right now. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.